and we are live it's friday the 27th of may it's half past seven uh which means it's time for the live stream of abe thompson and other disappointments it's episode 86 uh and uh, if it's your first time listening or watching um this is a twice weekly show delving into the worlds of uh, mostly politics but occasionally uh, a bit of uh, comedy and acabe- uh, academia too uh, here and there it's basically it's whatever takes my fancy that's the only rule for this podcast um but tonight it is going to be very uh, politically fueled if you like because put simply it's been a fucking week uh joining me tonight to uh, to discuss the events of the last few days uh and our our um ever cascading slide into dystopia is the one the only super tansky Woo! hello wade hello how are you um i feel like my mind's buzzing with about five or six different examples of tory country right now it's like overload <laughs> I'm trying to put order in my head exactly how to how to get it all through you know it's get nutty, it out isn't of it? me it's like I saw somebody uh, describe it as like the sort of end of season, like end of box set thing of Great Britain, like on Twitter earlier in the week. I was like, it's not far off, really. There's so much happening and all of it bad. Yeah, it's like the day to day sketch, isn't it? It's all right. Everything's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's not. But it's never boring. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather it wasn't this shit, but it's, it's never boring. Is no, it? that's it. I think it was Marina Perkis was saying, uh, I can't remember if it was on the show or before it, but she was saying like, you know, she's got friends who are into football and, you know, watching soaps or whatever. And she's like, you're missing out on the best drama ever. Like there's <laughs> so much going on. There's yeah, lying, man. there's jealousy, there's criminal yeah. activity. It's like... Tits and dragons. You know, it's just like Game of Thrones really, isn't it? Yeah, there's drugs. I mean, I'm not naming names, but, you know, we we've... We've seen some behaviour that could have been fuelled by drugs, I think. Well, I was going to say, unfortunately, there's actually probably more sexual crimes than in Game of Thrones uh, happening at the heart of the Tory government. There so. is, isn't there? It's it's funny because there's so much chaos that's going on that it's like, it's kind of sad in a way that stuff like that, which is arguably the most serious type of crime, just kind of s- slides under the... You oh, know. It's just... Like, there's so... Like, what have we had in the last sort of couple of weeks we've had um like brexit border issues are continuing to uh to decay and and um descend into into farce we've had the sue gray report we've got cost of living crisis we've got the situation in ukraine like everything just bubbling up to a sort of you know fever pitch state and then also uh, upsettingly in the background you've got tory ministers watching porn <laughs> In the House of Commons, you've got other Tory... I mean, watching porn is actually quite tame, isn't it, compared to some of the shit that's going on? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, but then there was all the... There was, like, there's always this kind of rumour mill, isn't there? Like, there was a rumour that, you know, that guy was set up with the image that was sent to him and stuff like that. Like, But I wouldn't put it past Johnson to do that. I wouldn't put anything past yeah. Johnson. I mean, not now, especially not with the news today. Nothing. The rumour I heard was that that guy's constituency is a safe, safe as Mm. seatbelt. Tory, I'm really tired today, Tan, so my metaphors are going to be all over the place. Safe Uh, as a seatbelt. Yeah, safe as a seatbelt, bruv. But like his, that guy's seat is a true blue Tory seat. And the rumour that I heard, I don't know if you heard the same one, was that they were ejecting him from that seat deliberately so that when Johnson gets in a pickle, he's 
his seat is Uxbridge, I believe. Uh, yeah. And he's in, in the danger zone at the moment that he could just, you know, seamlessly transition into that seat. Yeah, slipping. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. I heard that too. And that's, that would probably be the reason why, if they were going to, they'd set him up with the older uh, tractor wanking, wouldn't it? Yeah. This is so funny. Like, like the tractor wanking, like the meme was like the biggest thing on Twitter for about two or three days. Just constant jokes about like tractor pics and like people photoshopping like things of people like wanking over tractors. It, like, it's insane. Sounds ridiculous. And now, like, it's that it was only about a month ago, and it's completely left like my periphery. I'm like, wait, what was that again? <laughs> Yeah, what are we on now? Which sex crime or drug scandal or some for inexplicable reason, you know, some MP racking up lines of gack on a baking tray, a baking tray yeah. of all things. I mean, you know, what the fuck? Um, it's yeah. so, like, the other thing that's kind of come to the fore with the uh, the accusations of, and we should say, like, they're not proven allegations, right? Um, nobody's gone to court. And, and... Well, as long as we say they're allegations, we're fine. They can't yeah. do it. <laughs> right. But I do think it's interesting the way that they look at like unproven allegations uh, are, are very much like within Tory journo political circles. It, it becomes this sort of, well, hang on a second, guys, let's not judge. Let's not race to judge anyone because he's, you know, he's only been arrested and been questioned. It's not, you know, when we can't judge it. That's when it's one of their own. But when it's like. A Keir Starmer curry and beer game. It's like, burn him! Fucking burn him! Well, they've got all their mates on side, the client, you know, the client journalists on side doing the job that they've been allegedly given substantial bungs to, you know, write positive stories about the government. Not that I think they need much coaxing in that department anyway. Um, so they, you've got all that. Kind they of doing must the look work at that. They must look at that like they're, it's their very own windfall tax payment. They're like, you know, we'll pay you, we'll pay you four hundred quid if you write something nice about Johnson. Oh well, fuck! I was going to do that anyway. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just it's another form of bribe, and that's essentially what um, the Tories are doing with their windfall tax. No, sorry, what is it? Um, not Labour policy levy. What's it? What they called it? I can't remember what they called. I think it. it's the energy, the temporary energy industry levy. I think. Shameless, aren't they? Yeah. Shameless. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, 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 yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's just another example of how skewed our media is. But then again, so is the lack of Brexit coverage. I mean, that's a massive example about how um, skewed our media is because no one's mentioning it. No one's mentioning the elephant in the room. Yeah. Oh, I wonder why Britain's suffering a worse cost of living crisis because you've ripped up our fucking trade deals, you idiots. That's why, you know, people have lost their, you know, people that might have survived the pandemic are now losing their businesses to Brexit. Mm. And yeah, and it's, it's, it goes. it's not just Brexit. I mean, it's to, to my mind, it's, like I'm no fan of Brexit and it you know it deserves a lot of criticism but I think with the cost of living crisis it stems primarily from uh the energy sector wholesale energy prices and because they lifted that uh price cap whereas a lot of european neighbors did not it's I don't same. know if, if there's a connection there with Brexit or if it's just that they they want to play ball with their donors if like BP and Shell donate a lot to the conservative party that's it that feels more likely like what's driving this um but but I, I don't know if maybe there is a brexit sort of thing an angle to it also well they've already said that you know that the energy companies have already said it wouldn't deter investment yeah. like i think the energy companies have even themselves said why don't you fucking put a windfall tax on what's wrong with you yeah uh, but yeah like places like france other european countries have capped 
um, in a way that doesn't mean that their citizens are, are facing thousands and thousands of pounds worth of energy bills. That's what they've, they've done. Um, but our economy and inflation and everything else is being, that's what I kind of meant more so than just the energy thing. That's all affecting yeah. general decline in um, our, our, our prices going up, food prices going up, um, and just general decline. I tell you the the link that it does definitely have to Brexit is that it was something that was specifically promised by Brexiters pre-referendum that if you voted Brexit, if you supported us with this, then you would have cheaper energy bills. And it was. now we're on the other side of it. It's like, where's my cheap energy bills? Oh, no, no, you can go fuck yourself. Well, it's like the Tory manifesto, isn't it? We will not increase VAT. We will not increase national insurance. You know, yeah. all of it's been done. All of it's yeah. been. Oh yeah, and by the way, we're we're fucking off foreign aid, even though you know we said we even said we wouldn't in the. Oh yeah, we're going to betray our allies. Um, yeah, this is what to... this is what confuses me, and I'd be I'd be keen to get your thoughts on this. But so my brother for a long time, I don't know how he would define himself politically these days, but he was your sort of tr- traditional home counties uh, conservative with a small C. He was involved in like the conservative club in maidenhead and stuff and he went out doorstepping for them uh oh. and when he talked to me about conservatism like back in the day he would um articulate it in a reasonably credible way not something that i signed up to i didn't particularly subscribe to the uh the sensibilities that he was articulating to me but i but it made sense i understand where he was coming from and that was his thing great um, and i think he his political identity is shared by a lot of people right it was uh, conservatism in the sense that it was low taxation it was self-responsibility um uh it was you know you have your money you decide what you want to do with it and you you know the state doesn't have to uh, support people or it's not the state's responsibility to look after everyone in every single facet of their lives that was his brand of conservatism back in the day and i should mention this is about 15 years ago or so i was gonna ask the era yeah the but, era. so here's my question with that very long prelude uh, is we now see a, a new breed of conservatism that reflects absolutely fucking dick one of that. Like, it's it's not low taxation. It's not small state. It is authoritarianism. It's, you know, it's it's knocking on the door of fascism. So I don't get why so many people still, like, if you see the polls, it's like, well, 30% to conservatives still, still 30% of people are... I'm like, what the fuck are you signing up to? Like, what boxes are they ticking for you as a conservative? I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's really annoyed me the most, I think, about Johnson's tirade of country, and also, like, to some extent, what um, Cameron did, is the fact that it's almost made me respect Thatcher and respect old Tories, um, because whilst, like, it's made me see that I think it takes someone like Johnson debasing it to this level Mm. for it to be... um, something that i see as good you know the old factorism because she literally stole milk off kids but i'm not talking about her policies i've yeah, never agreed yeah. with tory policies because their policies are like protect the market at any cost and the whole personal responsibility thing doesn't take into account the fact there's no meritocracy mm. there's no equality of opportunity so i've always fundamentally opposed that but you can't deny that people like ken clark uh, dominic grieve they had a ba- they had a, a sense of honor Mm. Um, even if they were doing things that I might have thought were, were out of line. But I think with the, the Conservative Party now, um, everything changed when it came down to the the thought of the Brexit referendum gaining popularity and it happening, mm. um, because a load of National Front-style voters joined the Conservative Party under Johnson. 
um, he has debased it beyond even Cameron. I mean, Cameron was just a, an idiot, really, mm. um, and Osborne and all that lot. I mean, they were still pushing those kind of policies that you were talking about, I guess, the kind of old school Tory policies. Sure. Um, yeah. But they, st- they think- stepped down when they were supposed to. You know, it, it's it's changed now, I think, because of the footballification that came with Brexit and all the lies and manipulation that came with Brexit. I think that's what soured it. And the Conservatives are associated with the vote to leave and all of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think if I... I'll, I'll see if I can articulate this in a, a reasonably concise way, but uh, I feel like what, Bre- <laughs> what Brexit did was it placed higher value on the winning than the integrity and the substance. Uh, and so yeah. people like Boris Johnson, Farage, uh, Marc Francois, Jacob Ugh. Rees-Mogg, these are not individuals who value credibility, substance, uh, experts, uh, anything like that. What they value is winning at all costs and to hell with the consequences because they come from a class where consequences very rarely come knocking on their door or at least that's sort of how it felt to me was like brexit came along and it just fundamentally changed the dynamic between conservatives and the people that they were willing to lie to to get them into power and now we're at that sort of output of all of that where they'll do literally anything to cling on to power it's like windfall tax or you know raise this or do you know yeah yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, and the thing is, what what um, people aren't realising is that uh, Brexit was kind of like wholesale manipulation. I mean, I did a video and I'm not going to be able to remember all the all the, the facets of my video from mm. um, because of my ADHD brain kicks in and I'm like, Ugh. Um, but people like Crispin O'Day, who donated loads to the Vote Leave Fund, um, he made like, what was it? Something like, I wish I had the notes in this book, but it was only like 100 million or something on the day that the pound crashed after brexit yeah and um he had really strong links to uh jacob reese mogg and jacob reese mogg's dad wrote the book on disaster capitalism the blood on the streets book about the sovereign individual yeah and all that kind of business um <clears throat> so i think that it was simply a case of a kind of this is why I don't call Brexit voters stupid anymore or modern Tory voters stupid anymore because a manipulation at play is so much bigger um, than the individual. I mean, it is they had lies fed at them from every direction um, mm. through through the media, through tabloid journalism or inverted commas journalism. Um, you know, immense amounts of money spent on quite xenophobic, um, kind of reactionary, um, emotion-inducing um what they call kind of like memes, misinformation, fake news, sure, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah, people do have an individual responsibility to think critically, but not everyone has been given that much of an education to necessarily read between the lines, unlike people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who's had his education paid for. Um, so it was it was manipulation, I think, for a bigger purpose. Um, and, you know, it, all you've got to do is look at a couple of excerpts of, um, you know, the book about the, um, I think it's, I can't remember what it's called, um, how to how to profit, I think, in the age, in the de- decline of the welfare state, something like that. I think that's the name of the book. It's that's literally something. Reese dad's book. Yeah, yeah. And the sovereign individual is exactly what those other people would be referred to. Um, mm. And it, it predicts the outcome of Brexit. Yeah. It predicts what will happen and how to cash in from it. Um 
so it's yeah I'm, I'm really annoyed with myself that i don't have the exact uh, title of the book to my to mind but um yes well any anyone that's listening or watching can uh, can google it with a the i think it's um yeah something to do with the, the, the fall of the welfare state i wish i'd written down the notes but i didn't know we were going to talk about that no no it wasn't really on our itinerary was it um, no we've diverted into like uh pointing out just how much of a shit heap brexit is haven't we which yeah. is always well, we always do and if it's if it's your first time listening or watching the podcast uh i right so every guest that i have on i give them sort of two or three bullets of things that we can discuss <laughs> and then we can sort of think of ideas and angles that we want to present and get across um but invariably <laughs> we we always go especially when it's you me davy john left at the countryside whoever it is like yeah. we go spectacularly off piste um we always do always yeah we actually haven't planned for this oh it's called um blood in the streets as investment profits in a world gone mad um the book that predicted the crash of 87 tells you how to make money during an age of economic crisis wow that's literally the name of the book um it so, shows yeah, that... you like how far we've come or how low we've gotten that like a book title like that to me that's quite jarring it's like how like wouldn't you be kind of wouldn't there be some element of shame like writing a book with that fucking title <laughs> but From the people that brought you the crash of 87 yeah how to cash in but this is the thing this this is all out there i mean people i mean the thing is all the information all the truth is out there mm. but people don't feel necessarily compelled to look for it um and think, once you start looking for it you can't look away it's I, it's you know terrifying yeah, I, th I think a big problem for a lot of people is accepting that they and this is going to sound quite strong but i think accepting that you can or have been radicalized is quite a leap for a lot of people because yeah. you're effectively leaving your ego over here and saying i am capable of being brainwashed i am um uh, easily led i'm um impressionable uh, or something like that yeah yeah it's um and that's not a comfortable thing to publicly admit or certainly not to admit to your friends and family that you've been you may have been led up the garden path by Brexit promotion or by Tory propaganda or, or whatever, because I can totally see how. So, for example, if I switch it round, if I sit and just read The Guardian for like a week and The Huffington Post and I, you know, I'm not exposing myself to other information, I have to accept that my perception of British politics is going to be warped. So there's a responsibility on me there that I understand that I should be reading things in, I don't know, BBC News and a bit of the Mail Online and, you know, to try and like temper that, that bias. But I don't think, and I'm not putting myself or you onto a pedestal, but I don't think most people out there consciously think like that i think for most people they just go oh what, like what did the sun say this morning oh it said kids a prick oh wicked yeah that'll do <laughs> you know i don't think yeah. they have much interest in balancing it either it's a lack of interest or it's a lack of time and inclination because they're probably being worked nowadays with an inch of their life i mean um this is the thing people um don't really realize just how much politics affects every aspect of their lives mm. like you can't walk down the street and buy a of milk without politics coming into it and i think there's also that kind of not necessarily a conscious serfdom but it's people thinking well those guys they're educated they're clever they're posh they know what they're doing like the way that people might um like the way you get white coat syndrome where people's mm. heart rate increases in the presence of a doctor because they think on some level that this person is a superior or and i think the same very much applies to politicians mm -hmm. um 
and to the the upper classes because you'll get people if they're in the presence who, who are quite working class in the presence sometimes of a mp or someone they'll get they'll fawn almost as if they're a celebrity or they will uh, start pronouncing their t's better yeah um, or you know that kind of because think... they don't feel like they're on the same level as those people and it's like those people nowadays are like way down the list like they are they are there's no integrity anymore and i wish more people realized that they it is for them because that's their money that's that's where their taxpayers money's going mm. that's when you get taxed with an inch of your life those people are spending it for you mm. so you need to make sure those people are the right people and stop just kind of like you know getting your opinion from the front page of something because they've they've got an agenda yeah they've got an agenda to sell you they don't sell papers on the truth <laughs> they don't sell papers that they sell you know for a time they sold papers by hacking kids dead kids voicemails i mean you're going to believe what they have to tell you yeah i mean and and uh, a point that you've raised there's a really important one about the this sort of fetishization of posh or like well-spoken people in in public life but also in journalism i think when people are uh for want of a better word like educated when they come through oxbridge and they speak a certain way i think when you come from a different walk of life or perhaps you have a different accent or you grew up on council estates i think you then sort of misinterpret that probably because you've been conditioned so again it's a kind of type of radicalization you probably interpret that as oh this person's really smart or this person is i should listen to this person you know but i yeah. think what the last five or six years of of government have told us is that actually they may well have come up through Eton and Oxbridge but they might have studied classics right like Boris Johnson (laughs) they might have studied like history great okay you know big fan of history but it doesn't make them economists it doesn't make them super smart or pragmatic or compassionate and these are all qualities that you need in somebody that's going to lead the fucking country and you're absolutely right when you say you know these are the guys that spend the public money but what do you do when most of the public look at somebody like that who is largely you know perhaps i'm generalizing a bit but who who most of them do appear to be devoid of compassion they do have a feeling that they're better than the plebs uh and when they do spaff loads of money on let's say a test and trace system or covid fraud then most of the general public go like well yeah but have you have you seen that single mum down the end of the you know like how do you how do you fight that (laughs) It was very deliberate. It's, yeah. it's very deliberate manipulation. And like what you were saying about um, uh, the people that are in charge, when you look at um, the person that's in charge of our health service nowadays, the health minister, he's a banker for fuck's sake. Yeah. He's an ex-banker who has taught, been taught a very valuable lesson by the, you know, not a valuable lesson, but he's learned something from the Conservatives' previous policy in the sense that when they fuck up, the public pays. Um, like when the banking crisis happened, um, instead of going after people that are essentially their friends who might go on to be ministers one day, mm. they inflicted punishing austerity on us when it wasn't our cock up. Um, so they've got kind of like first experience of, of probably feeling in a position of um, superiority anyway, and, and that the rules don't apply to them. <laughs> but as we say, Johnson is an anomaly. Um, you know, I, I reckon that some of there's even a possibility that some of his ministers and MPs are um, really uncomfortable with him. Um, so they need to now get to the point where they think, right, okay, um, it's this is bigger than just our jobs. 
this is bigger than um, winning an election. This is someone that's like literally ripping to shreds our democracy. But whether or not they will, I, I don't have much hope anymore. And I don't have much hope that he would lose a vote of no confidence either. No, I, I'm sorry to say I don't think he would lose a vote of no confidence. Uh, I think he's free to do whatever he wants for a whole year then, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think if there were going to be a vote of no confidence and it was going to be successful, we would have heard and learned a lot more about it although there's there was a guy that resigned from his uh his position today the principal private secretary yeah was it just one today or was it two the principal private secretary i know about um and there was i think i saw another letter go in not long before we came on yeah Uh, i think it might have been two today but i'm happy to be corrected um but yeah it's just because I just don't, this is a matter of not just integrity, it's an, it's an emergency um, situation. And again, that's why I'm really, I know you and I, I think we disagree a little bit on this, but um, Tugendhat and El, Elwood, mm. I uh, don't have an, an enormous amount of respect for them because they've idly sat by for two years. And it's only now when everyone knows what they've done that they're coming out and going, oh, you know, I, I don't really think this is the right thing to do. I know that, um, I think it's Elwood or Tugendhat, one of, which one of them is the... Um, it slipped my mind now which one is um i think it's elwood is the guy that's uh, on the committee isn't he he's the soldier they're both ex-soldiers actually oh they're both oh yeah. okay well that, that's where the confusion's coming from so i know that one of them handed johnson his ass at the uh, at the committee yeah into afghanistan Tobias elwood, um, yeah. yeah and i do you know what as standard people i probably would have you know, a reasonable amount of respect for them to some extent because they don't seem like terrible humans. Mm. But a moral decision is a decision you make when, you know, it's not blindingly obvious to everyone how bad things are. It's a decision that you make when you see something, you call it, and you, you know. Um, so I, I don't think, and also I don't really want either of them leading the Tory party into the next general election because I think they're both, they're both quite credible. I don't want someone like yeah. that to go up against Labour because there, there is a chance they'll swing it. I see where you're coming from. Uh, here's an awkward question for you. Would no. you would you rather Boris Johnson remains in post right up to the general election and there is a risk of him securing another term as prime minister or would you rather have t- a Tobias Elwood premiership? Oh, that's like choosing which of your hands to shit in, isn't it? <laughs> um... Choose your assassin. Yeah, it's like... Okay point on both with johnson it's good because um the fact the sham that the veils dropped um it was all a brand it was all an act it was all completely fake and once people can see him for what he is i don't think they're going to readily unsee him trust is shattered Mm. so i don't think there's any chance he would win i don't think he would be able to swing it i really don't um whereas the other two yeah i think that's more of a, a wild they're more traditional old school tory but it's kind of a payoff because you don't know has Johnson screwed it enough um, for him to A, win and B, you know, make the other two seem less attractive options? And But then again, there is a big call, I think, for a lot of people saying, oh, whilst his leader, I won't vote for the Conservatives. So that means if they get someone else in, blame it all on Johnson. Yeah. They might go. So it's like you're in a shit position either way, really. Yeah. My it fear. It's <laughs> hard to call. Yeah. My my fear is that they will eject Johnson. I mean, look, I want I want Johnson out of number ten ASAP, but my I mean, fear is danger. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll 
they'll insert another Tory in there and because they've got the weight of so many newspapers behind them uh, it will be portrayed as a, a rebrand it'll be fresh face oh yeah wasn't that Boris Johnson guy really terrible anyway here's this new guy that's also Etonian in Oxbridge and in a nice suit and he's totally different he's down to earth you'll love him like, yeah, you just come out of the like the eating factor in a conveyor belt. Like, <laughs> yeah, and people will fucking lap it up because they'll have this huge like right wing journo political machine behind them, uh, and it will just start churning out the fucking election lies. Like you have people like James Cleverly on the TV again, like <laughs> bullshitting his way through debates and and but the irony of his name never fails to get me. I know, never fails to get me. Um. Let's let's spool back because um, we've been we've been gassing away for a while. I want to cover a little bit oh, of what <laughs> what went on this week. Uh, so the Sue Gray report was uh, was finally published, uh, showing the illegal, nay criminal activities going on at Downing Street and uh, throughout Whitehall over the courses of two lockdowns, uh, peaking at red wine splashed against walls, uh, puking, people leaving at four a.m., fights, and I'm going to be honest, Tan. Uh, it struck an awkward balance with me because, yes, I hate authoritarianism. Uh, and yes, I think that self-serving sociopathic sacks of shit who run the country are garbage human beings that deserve to be rolled up in carpet and thrown off a pier. But on the other hand, I do love a party. Uh, <laughs> we want to party with them, though. <laughs> they wouldn't share anything. That's true. Yeah. You wouldn't get any wine and cheese left. You, you'd be left to fend for yourself. Self-preservation, self-reliance and all that. But it was almost enough for me to go, I like these guys. They represent me. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, I'm going to lose some, <laughs> lose some followers now. Uh, what else do we have this week? We had the windfall tax. Um, so this is after the Sue Gray report. As if by magic, everyone's favourite tax-dodging, tax-hiking billionaire, Rishi Sunak, and horny blonde yeti Boris Johnson managed to completely solve all of the problems with the windfall tax that they've been telling everybody about for the past month. As in, it will be terrible for pensioners, it will deter investment, it's not ideologically conservative, it will make baby Jesus cry. And somehow, mere hours after the publication of a damning report into Boris Johnson's leadership, the temporary energy levy that every single conservative MP voted down last week was now being paraded as a bold and generous solution by a cabinet of pragmatic problem solvers. Uh, how did that make you feel? Um, not surprised, but angry. Um, I knew it, we knew it was coming. They were seeding it. Plus, there was also reports that certain people inside Number Ten had a pre, had a heads up on what the Sue Gray report was going to have in it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the windfall tax itself, well, I, I, I don't know. I think most people took the the kind of sentiment of what I said because I described it in quite visceral terms. Um, it's a bribe, mm -hmm. I think. It's a shut up about Partygate proles. You know, um, we're giving you a bit of money. It's it's not it's not a long term economic plan. It's just a payoff. Yeah, they're just handing out money, and the reason they're doing that is because they don't want to be seen as taking money away, like they quite literally did with the universal credit uplift. So they're just they're just chucking out a bit of money here and there, including to people who have second homes. It's pretty indiscriminate money chucking. Um, it's not sad. It's not. I, I can't believe they're still referred to as fiscally responsible when you look at the debt under Sunak is at the highest it's ever been yeah. ever. It goes from brown here like up to Sunak like that, um, and yeah, it does. Uh, you know, 
we increasingly I increasingly feel like I'm an abusive relationship with my government like the way I described it is it's like Sunak having beaten up his wife uh taking (laughs) taking her home garage flowers as as an attempt to compensate like I increasingly feel like Boris Johnson's wife you know lied to gaslit uh, treated like shit um you know um so i it's an ins, it's insulting and it also it's so um paper thin like they're just trying to make themselves look bigger and better than labor's plans um and yet they're getting away with having spent all this money a labor government wouldn't get away with doing that to even if they were just pump, funding our public services the labor government wouldn't get away with it and yeah. um, so yeah I, I i don't know it's just it's not it's not surprising is it and it's so obviously a diversion method away from their scandal. What gets me with it is it's so transparent to me and and you and to anyone that sits in our sort of political arena. Uh, I don't. I, it, to me, it feels sort of inarguable that this is, as you say, a bribe. Uh, that they've monumentally fucked up. That trust in the current government is at a record low. They're eleven points behind in the polls. <laughs> And in the same fucking like 48 hour window that this Sue Gray report comes out, magically then they decide to get a handle on the cost of living crisis. Like it's so fucking obvious. Well, yeah, that was months people were worried, scared, frightened, but it took their own fuck up in order for them to help people. Yeah. That's what it was. But it's like, but there will be millions of people out there who will be like, they'll pick up that copy of the Daily Express the other day where they were portraying it as though Sunak had been quietly beaver Like Rishi, like what was it said? It said like finally or like, I can't remember the exact word now, but they were they were framing it as though he's been away like working on it. And now, oh, that's right. It said it's ready. Like Rishi gets ready to. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, what do you think has happened? Like, you spent the last month demonising this fucking thing, arguing amongst yourselves about, like, leadership challenges between Sunak and Johnson. against it last week. Yeah. And now they're like, he's been, like, he's fucking Father Christmas. Yeah. Like, out these presents to everyone. Piss off. And I know. Like, they voted against it. They were whipped to vote against it last week. Yeah. It was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, and they all unanimously voted against it. It wasn't like they were whipped and then a few of them were rebels. They were like, well, you know, this doesn't sit comfortably with me. I would like to help some of the less fortunate in society. Like, they all just went, yeah, fuck that shit. And now it's like seven days later and they're like, look at this bold, pragmatic policy. Fucking hell. No, I don't think people are buying it, though. Like, I've seen quite a few box pops of this Mm. and a lot of people are echoing kind of... The, the sentiment that a one-off payment's not enough because what happens when that runs out then they're just back to square one again and um yeah there's a lot of a lot of people are not you know they're not particularly happy with it um but again because people are desperate they're taking what they they're given yeah. um i think in the broader aspect i think that even despite this like obvious client journalism all the the bullshit in the media look at the local election results like that's a bit of hope and we've got the by-elections that are going to be a big test coming up we've got mm-hmm. wakey you know who had a, a little nonce as a tory mp um who's now been jailed for for molesting a child Fucking um, nonce burgers what did the other one do uh, i don't know like push kids off a cliff who knows what was what did the other one do because there's another by-election isn't there yeah, right. So there's one. Let's see if we can do a stock take here. So there's one that's been accused and arrested, not not charged yet, but arrested, like questioned for rape. There's oh, been. Is that um, Warburton, the the co- cokey man? 
I don't think it's him, but there's also him. <laughs> um, there's the guy that was, there was a, like a child molester in there somewhere as well, isn't there? Khan was the um, Wakefield MP that yeah. was convicted and jailed for child molesting. Yeah. Uh, is there someone else as well? I feel like there's there another one. Off. I don't know if Warburton's gone, but then there's the one that um, every I think everyone knows, but we, we can't say who it is. Well, we, we know from behind the scenes who it is, but then there's the one that's very recently um, been charged with really serious crimes, including, like I think it's serial date rape. Oh, that's it, yeah. And, yeah, I know. I think I know his constituency. I think I know who it is. Um you know the rumor bill's been in overdrive hasn't it but you know it's hard enough for people to get a, a rape conviction as it is so i'm not going to make it any harder for them by naming who i think it is um even with allegedly attached to it um but yeah i, I mean at this rate they're actually just through sex offending alone going to probably lose their majority before this <laughs> i mean i have to laugh because what else can you do because this is like uh it's like we're living in a, a fever dream it's like day terrors um, That's going to be in the new ministerial code, right? Will be like buried on page 13 somewhere in, you know, eight point font will be something like <laughs> all ministers are expected to go into the disabled like bog and just jerk off before they start work. Just get it out of your fucking system because we can't afford any more by-elections. I thought that joke was going to get so much darker then and I'm really glad you stopped before it did um, or that you didn't go down the route that my brain was thinking that you were going to go down. <laughs> well, I would never do that because I've lived a very sheltered life and I'm incredibly innocent, whereas you have a filthy mind, Tan. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, the joke that I made that I don't, I don't know if I put it in a TikTok, actually. I said, did I did I put that TikTok up where I said that Matt Hancock, uh, the reason that he was um, forced to resign after kissing Gina was because the kiss was entirely consensual. Um, and that's frowned upon in the Conservative Party. <laughs> but I think I described him as looking simultaneously like a paedophile and a seven year old boy, which I don't think I put that bit in. <laughs> but um but yeah, he isn't, and that's why he got he had to resign. But he still kept his job, isn't he? Well, he's still an MP. He's not. He's one of the few people they'll allow as a you know in the party that's not a sex offender. He should have been like, I mean, he should have resigned for for what he did. But then when he started doing his sort of media rounds comeback in his fucking like polo neck thing, at that point, oh my god, I think Johnson should have stepped in and gone like, "You're not even an MP anymore. You're fucking toast, mate. Bye." Like, oh yeah, like he would. I mean, the the, the one of my favourite bits was when he was walking around that seaside town, just looking like Alan Partridge. <laughs> it's like, all right, all like right. they should there should be a fucking database of like images and videos and like costumes of like Alan Part like any sort of cringy character that they can just you know before they set off out for their photo shoot or whatever the fuck it is that they're doing that day, they should just cross check it. Like, am I going to look like a cunt? Let's just run this through the database. <laughs> Well, they effortlessly do anyway. I don't, you know, the database is, uh, you know, I think that's another prerequisite that yeah. they have to. Let's um, let's talk for a minute about this ministerial code uh, change because that's something that just emerged oh. at about three or four, yeah. I think, this after. Maybe it was a little bit earlier this afternoon. Literally a couple of hours ago, yeah. Yeah. Um. So the way the way that this should work, dear listeners, uh, is traditionally, you you break the ministerial code. Uh, which is a code of conduct in the same way that your boss at your company, like your HR department, they might have a code of conduct, uh, key rules that they expect you to uphold if you want to work there. Except in public life, because you're costing everyone tax money, uh, the expectation is that you keep your sheets whiter than white. 
like whiter than your wife and her mate Tess watching La La Land, like that fucking white. You got to be clean above board. And there are rules like, you know, like serious rules that would call your character into question. So stuff like uh, you can't misuse public funds because it's tax money. Right. And you can't knowingly lie to the House of Commons. Uh, which are interestingly both rules that Boris Johnson has broken. Um, luckily, there's not one in there prohibiting ministers from unnecessarily introducing voter ID to disenfranchise minority and poverty ravaged voters, or he'd be really fucked. But now we're in a situation where he's taken the ministerial code and he's diluted it. He's saying it's no longer a resignation offence if you break any of these things. And actually what we will do is we will decide amongst ourselves what the punishment is appropriate to be and that sort of opens the door to uh, i mean i often call it fascism light uh i think we're kind of moving outside of fascism light territory now and comfortably into like just broad fascism when you're in a situation where the executive the cabinet uh are no longer expected like cabinet ministers and indeed the prime minister are no longer expected to resign for lying to the country uh, this is kind of worrying, right? Did you feel as jarred as I did when I read this? Fuck yes, of course I did. Um, because we're in a position now, two days after, um, you know, them for an entire year treating Number 10 as a party venue during mm. lockdown. It was a couple of occasions. There's no way he didn't know. So there's no... So he obviously did lie to the House. And out of those rule-breaking um, things, the rules that you've mentioned, it's lying to the House is the one that is supposed to immediately... Um, you know, yeah. with the expectation of, of resigning. The others are, are not always automatic, but other MPs have in the past because they are honourable. Uh, so we're in a, in a situation now where he, two days after, you know, just spitting on our faces, mm. um, everything that we've gone through, and not just that, but treating um, cleaning staff and, and service staff like pieces of shit, which in my books, for any human, is an indicator of whether or not I think they're a cock, is, is how you treat wait, waiting staff. Because I've, I've got, my first job was a waitress. I sure. worked in hotels. Um, and just generally speaking, I think that's a good barometer of what's a decent human being. Um, so, yeah, so we, we've had all that going on. And then we should be at a point now where anyone with an ounce of decency would think, OK, public trust in politicians because of me is fucked. Um, trust in my party's fucked. Everyone's, you know, thinking I'm an, an, an arsehole. Maybe I should restore a bit of trust. What does he do? He rips up and, and waters down the ministerial code. And he also prevents Lord Guite, his... Um, what is his ethics um, advisor or ethics? Um, Something from, like that, yeah. From um, investigating him, mm. he's he's preventing Lord Guite from conducting an investigation into him. I think that's in relation to, and they may have used an example. I don't know if he has been investigated for the flat, the Downing Street flat. He has. There was some there. connection there with Lord Guite, wasn't there, with the, uh, um, the flat decoration well, stuff. Flat decoration and also the Owen Patterson scandal. So to put it into context, people now, if the Owen Patterson scandal happened now, because Johnson has removed and, you know, this this site, I'm trying to have a little look at what it said about the... Um, there's certain words. Uh, upholding the highest standards of propriety that's been removed. The Nolan principles, which are objectivity, honesty, leading in the public interest, gone. Yeah. So... Owen Patterson could all he'd have to do is say a simple perfunctory "I'm sorry," and then he can get back to lobbying and abusing his position as an MP to lobby on behalf of his second employer, so to try and change government policy for an external paid 
really rich, huge corporation. Yeah. So it's it's disgusting in the fact that he's doing nothing to restore public trust. There's no integrity in it, and he's moving the goalposts purely to save his own ass, and also to allow this this sense of lawlessness. And how is that the I'm clearing up uh, the office? I'm changing standards in behaviour. It's it's bullshit. He's just openly shitting. Yeah. On all the you know the piss poor apologies and everything else. He's the equivalent of a sort of cheating husband who stands there begging for forgiveness oh, i'm really sorry i don't know what i was thinking i was thinking of you the whole time like all, all of the usual lines that these guys wheel out uh and then as soon as the wife's back is turned goes off and buys like a burner phone like so it won't happen like does everything behind the scenes so he can still do the devious shit but just you know covering his tracks and and it's kind that's of what johnson's done anyway that's not even a metaphor that's literally like how all of his relationships <laughs> have panned out hey i did that's say i said at the beginning of this that i was really tired my metaphors are going to be all over the place but I, even i never dreamt that one of my metaphors would so conveniently cross over into actual fucking reality yeah. and it is it is actual fact i mean he's not just downgrading like angela rayner said that he was downgrading standards and debasing the principles of of public life he's actually just removing them like he's he's just shitting over all of them um and because we haven't got a written constitution there's always this presumption of honor we have to run on a presumption of honor but what mm. happens when you get a rogue person like johnson in there and they won't leave mm. um, because of entitlement because of a lack of shame all of them combined i mean what what the hell do you do i mean we're in really completely uncharted territory politically and i think that's why it's even harder for labor to get a shoe in here yeah. because they yeah. are being honorable and you know they again as you said they've got the media against them um any opposition parties going to be in the ship because they're going to get held to higher standards despite those in leadership positions not following or upholding the standards yeah um, and and I, I think we've touched on this before or maybe it was in a whatsapp chat where uh somebody had said that the like the, the fundamental problem with the right and the left in this country is that the right are not really there to govern in the interest of the people they're in there to govern in the interest of their donors and from a sort of place of you know self-serving or sociopathy in extreme cases uh mm -hmm. on the left in my experience most of them are there to change things they come from a particular walk of life where they don't want other people to have to experience what they experienced um, and they are trying to make things better for people. But in so doing, they're, they're telling the truth. They're telling it how, how it, they're just telling it how it is. But then on the right, they have to lie. Right. And when you are comfortable with lying politically and campaigning, you're actually liberated to kind of win a bit easier, aren't you? Because you can literally say anything you fucking like. Whereas on the left, traditionally, I'm sure there's some people that you know, people could wheel out some examples of people who have lied. Uh, uh, but traditionally speaking, I think on the left, they do try to play uh, uh, by the rules and they end up losing as a result of it because they're too nice, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's easy for people to um, that have been kind of, I guess, punished by this kind of form of con conservatism that's all about... Um, kind of protecting the you know the market before human life mm. it's really easy for any alternative to that to look um shit and wishy-washy and and um naive and utopian 
And then you've got, but you look at people like Corbyn's, um, I think it was his 2017 manifesto. Oh, I think it was his 2017 manifesto. Well, when it was blind red, the vast majority of people agreed with it. Mm. Um, so the, the manifesto was sound. I think it had like, it had really, really positive results. Yeah. Um, and it was a great manifesto in fairness it was it was a really good labor manifesto um but then then everything else beyond the manifesto is pure spin isn't it um and it's and it's smearing and it's partly it... you know the person you know he didn't help in some ways but he was the most smeared leader of the opposition i think we've ever had ever yeah um, well, so... i think it sort of that that speaks to a couple of uh a couple of points there so the first one is it sort of tells you exactly how uh, personality driven uh like political campaigning and fleet street papers are so when people look at labor policies as you say blindly they don't know that it's a labor policy they're really fucking popular they love labor policies because they're policies that are going to make their lives easier right yeah. they're going to make you better off um when you un when you take the veil up and you show that it's a labor policy or you see corbyn's face or starmer's face at that point then it's like oh well you know i don't know about that you know and that tells you everything you need to know about how people on the left are portrayed by the media and how that is then amplified by the broader media so yeah. there's that um i forget my second point now over to but you it's really, it's really depressing isn't it because um, and it shows you just how much power broadcasters and increasingly broadcasters, because the BBC, fuck. Um, and you know, watching the ITV the, yesterday was like a fever dream because it was very similar. It was a very rose-tinted view of, of Rishi Sunak. Yeah. We're only a little bit of like, oh, look at the timing. Oh, you know, like a very brief, uh, you know, nod to that. So, um, but Labour, I think, are in a really tricky position. But I think we need to see beyond it simply being um, Tory versus Labour. Yeah. You can see that Davies Lib Dems are are getting quite a lot of footfall. Um, some of those are people that inexplicably are disgruntled ex Labour voters that are very pro Corbyn are going for like a very centrist party in Lib Dems, which makes no fucking sense to me because that's what they accuse Starmer of being. And then you've got people that are not happy with the Tories but don't like Labour. Uh, and then you've got um, you know your standard Lib Dem voters. Um, and but some it's more a protest vote I think the Lib Dem vote. Yeah. Um, I, do you know what? I would happily go with a coalition, but I think whatever we do, we must vote tactically for the Conservatives' opposition in our constituency. There are going to be resources nearer the time. Um, it's going to be a fight against, you know, people... I still almost feel ridiculous saying it, but it's going to be a fight against all-out authoritarianism and fascism. We're meeting all the key indicators of it. Mm. It's lunchtime. And there's also, as you were saying earlier on about voter ID, there's disenfranchising um, people... They're accepting bus passes from um, like um, older people's bus passes and train uh, train uh, passes, Oyster cards, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, not accepting student ID cards and student rail cards as voter ID. So they're they're they're, they're bringing down the shutters. And and if you look at the graph, you know the most people that vote uh, Tory are over 50, 50 upwards. Yeah. Like the you know that they're traditionally blue voters. But we're getting to a point now where there's no way that Ed Davey or Starmer's um, Labour would accept any of what's going on now. They mm. just would not have it as people. I mean, Starmer's offered to do the honourable thing and resign if he's found to be guilty, um, to make a point. I don't think, you know, I think that'd be a travesty if he did. Um, but, you know, he's, he said he'll do it. Um, but they're not all the same. 
but there's so much that we can do with our tactical vote and if we're not happy necessarily with the choices that say a Labour um, Lib Dem coalition put through we if we use our tactical vote powerfully um, we can get them out again you know yeah yeah start our own it's, so it's on another podcast we could start our own party and become like you know cool farages like the anti-farage but um well i'm starting now- my own cult oh wicked oh oh yeah i remember you talking about that i'm happy for you yeah i mean look i'm anti-authoritarianism uh in in british public life but i quite yeah. like the idea of me running a cult and me being the sort of you know undemocratically elected kind of cult leader you know that everyone looks up to and yeah. listens to i like that yeah, well, there'd be loads of acid and sex and drugs and. Yeah, did you ever do acid back in the day? <laughs> yeah. yeah, my mum. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> my mum was watching. Yes, oh, I did. Sorry, yeah, if did. that's really awkward. I did. Did you do microdots? No. No. All oh, right. Okay. Had. <laughs> Fine. I was just uh, just curious because that was like I don't know if that's a maidenhead thing or if that was like if that's just People a. Talk- about them a lot people people with uh like thousand yard stairs talked about microdots wow uh, maybe it explains but... a lot i don't know people see my tiktoks now and they're like this guy's done drugs clearly um... i can't believe you asked me on a live podcast if i'd done acid it was a fucking brilliant time <laughs> you know really fun really fun but what i wasn't prepared for with acid was how i was expecting this psychedelic experience where everything turns magic and all it did was make the things that are already there fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I had... Like, really interesting just for being themselves and weird as they are. You know, like I, I was expecting like bloody unicorns in the sky, but it turned out the sofa just looked tiny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I sort of, like, I suppose I was somewhat influenced by like the Beatles and, you know, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So I got this idea that if you did acid then you would hallucinate these things and you'd go on quite the trip and, you know, you would have quite some sort trip. of experience, right? But when, like, my experience of it was, and I'm not, you know, a big sort of, uh, uh, what's the word, like connoisseur, I guess, for want of a better word, uh, of, uh, like, all types of acid or anything. But I can tell you that having taken microdots, all all that it did, it did two things. I laughed my fucking ass off for about eight hours, like eight <laughs> hours of laughter. <laughs> Did your uh, eyes hurt the next day from like staring? Like mine did. <laughs> I just felt like I'd just been staring. I didn't have achy eyes, no. Uh, but I had, so I laughed a lot. And the other thing was like patterns on the curtains drew themselves. Yeah, yeah I saw them in the window, like heart symbols. It was lovely. It was a lovely yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was nice. Like I'm glad. I, I, I think I did it three or four times. And uh, it was lots of fun. I did shrooms as well. You didn't um, inhale, yeah. You did it, but you didn't. You, you never inhaled. <laughs> oh, I, I inhaled and consumed, and uh, yeah. I mean, like this Sorry, is the funny thing. She knows anyway. She knows about my misspent youth. It's all good. I think, like, see, the thing is, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but I feel like I'm at an age now where you can kind of look back on that period, and it's not, it's not like a big. You can just be frank about it. Whereas well, this was the... years ago. I mean, it's like yeah. what you when you're like when you're in your early early twenties and stuff like that. It's not like. It's not like I did it yesterday. I didn't just wake up, have a bit of toast, have a morning coffee, and then like smoke the horse yeah. whilst injecting acid into my eyes. You know, it's like... well, it's. I think the thing is like when you've when you've got kids or like when it's a young person uh, that you care about, then uh, you're obsessed with their potential. Like so, we we focus on pop stars or like young act 
actors as though like, oh, what, you know, have you seen this new actress in this thing or have you seen this, heard of this new band? And you're sort of drunk on the idea that they could go on to create a masterpiece or they could go. It's this, this real like prospect to them. And it's the same kind of thing like when it's a young person you care about that if they start doing acid or if they start smoking weed, like, is this the downfall? Is this is there potential here that they could get really well, bad? But when it's like 15 it. years ago, it's like, well, it's been and gone, you know? Not yet, yeah, not with acid. I mean, for God's sake, you're not going to do that every day. It's not like a it's like a recreational thing, isn't it? That you do, you know, a, a rave once. And if you have a bad time, there's no way you're going near it again. So it's like a yeah. learning it's like drink. It's like downing. It's I'd say it's less dangerous than downing your first bottle of spirits. Yeah. Because Jesus, I've like I I was so ill on wine and stuff like that. I mean, really physically ill. Um, I mean, there's other things that I would probably say for people stay clear of and stuff like that. And obviously things like weed and acid. You got to be so careful if you've got um, any um mental um like schizophrenia or, or such mental health issues in your family you have to be really careful with it um yeah. and psychosis and stuff but do you know what i don't i don't think there's any harm in i'm not going to endorse it actually i'm not gonna... <laughs> <laughs> my past that's what i'm gonna say do I'm you gonna... do you ever get comments on uh on tiktoks and and i guess on your tweets and stuff like where people say like you should be an mp you should you know do pe- people try and egg you on to do it yeah, when they say that, I say, don't you think we've got enough dickheads that don't know what they're doing in charge? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we need to, we need to get away from populism. Like, we need to get really, we need to get far away from populism. And I'm a passionate believer in making politics boring and dull again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we we shouldn't, you know, <laughs> we shouldn't be having to do this. And I was talking, I think I was talking to Marina and Davy about it on a Spaces on Twitter. I was saying, like, we've all been, we're all obsessed with this because we feel like we have to be because it's got that bad. Yeah. For me yeah. to ever appear on a video, it's got to have been bad. I'm a, I'm a photographer. I make, you know, I used to make videos. I used to take photos. Um, I'm not someone that, that ever felt comfortable being in front of the camera, but I felt it was my only protest yeah. to do it. But when people say things like that, I just think it's not me that you should be looking to for this. Um and then it's a compliment obviously um but we're not the people with the answers um but then mind you i suppose we could be couldn't we depends it depends on how good the well not now that we've discussed microdolsonship that's over for us i know it's fine i mean we can be like renegade um oh my god what oh there's a news uh pippa Carrera's just dropped a tweet saying um all free MPs on the Parliamentary Privilege Committee have resigned their government jobs to oh. work on the investigation into whether Boris Johnson knowingly misled Parliament. Wow. Here you go, guys. Breaking but news. Andy Carter and Alberto Costa have resigned all vacancies in the FCDO, DWP and AG's office. And then plus that's on top of Paul Holmes, who resigned today. Wow. So- yeah. So I don't what's... know if it's due to a conflict of interest or um That sounds to me like it's a, a direct response of uh to sorry uh Johnson watering down the ministerial code, which then would feed into what they're able to investigate and what they can rule on. Uh mm-hmm. well, Andy Carter's a a, a tor- like a Johnson loyalist, really. Um so he's yeah, from, from what I can Interesting. So it's whether or not they're doing that to so that they can kind of save him on the parliamentary standards committee. 
Who fucking knows? I mean, the first thought that comes into my mind is those people are loyal to Johnson and they're doing this so that they can let him off on the Parliamentary Standards Committee. I mean, normally a resignation, you'd think, oh, they're doing that in disdain or disgust. Yeah, see, that's interesting because you you sound more defeatist than I do. I think it's probably related to this change to the ministerial code because if they're expected to conclude or investigate or rule on what has and hasn't been broken in the ministerial code and that could have some sort of impact on Johnson's career uh if those changes have been announced today and those guys are on that committee if they're now all resigning this evening I don't know I to me that sounds like they're unhappy about it but Again, like as always, I'm happy to be corrected. Maybe I've completely misunderstood it. But, but... we need some. Um, I think we're going to need some clarity on this. Um, I do think we are. Um, yeah. I don't know why the Labour Party is um, trending. Oh God, what have they done now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's um, Peter Obi has joined the Labour Party of Nigeria. Okay. Oh, I, don't, I think this is a different Labour Party. I think this is yeah. a Labour Party elsewhere not the labor party of australia who have just elected who have just got into government yeah Woo! see now that did that sort of reignited some hope in me earlier in the week i did a sort of little stock take of progressive governments around the world and i was like well hang on a second things aren't actually that bad right you've got the democratic party in america which i would not necessarily class as a a liberal party myself but it's you know it's better than the republicans by a long shot you've got the labor party in australia you've got the labor party in new zealand uh we have a Labour 11-point lead in the UK. We've got a left-leaning slash socialist government, or at least centre-left government in France. Um, I believe, you, you might have to correct me on this, I think Germany is still left-leaning or centre-left. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a great leader. Um, so we're, I mean, we're still know, the minority. But, yeah, we are. But also what we've got to take into consideration, which is why the tactical voting element is so important, is the fact that um, Australia have a totally different voting system yeah. uh, to us. And also, I mean, they've got the Murdoch press on side, obviously, um, and they are crazy. I mean, they are like Fox News style crazy, like yeah. Sky News in Australia. I don't remember that when I lived there. I don't remember that. Um, I remember the racism, <laughs> sadly. Um that was just so obvious in day-to-day -day life, sadly, where, 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 when I went into like the city even. But I don't, um, I don't remember their news being like that. I think I used to just catch like the evening news and it was all very kind of like regional. Um, but their news is crazy. But yeah, we've got that. We've got a different voting system to, you know, any of uh, the only other country in Europe that has our voting system. I think it's Belarus. Josh is going to kill me if I've got this wrong. I think it's Belarus, is it? Um, that has the first past the post system and they're essentially a dictatorship. Yes. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I think most yeah. other countries in Europe have proportional representation, right? So we've got like a really um, horrific voting system that 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 doesn't um, make every vote count really um, on mm. on any um, level. So we have to swap and we have to vote tactically. Um, but that is how. And then once we get once we vote tactically and we hopefully get what we want out of it, then we will push for proportional representation because that will mean that this kind of this this constant like endless um, kind of conservative rule won't be possible i don't think because if you look through the ages we've as a country we're not conservative no we vote for largely liberal parties or um we don't 
Yeah. If you look at the, the kind of two bars of that, so it's it's so important that we use the only way that our vote can count is by using it in a way that we have to use it in a way that kind of isn't so much about the colour we're voting for, like whether red, yellow, green, mm. but it's about our intended outcome. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really important point to uh, to to leave us on now, as we've been um, uh, gassing away for about an hour um is yeah man time flies right yeah. uh but yeah so in in terms of tactical voting so the way that i look at this and i'm sure that you and i have a lot of common ground with this is um that we so we have a conservative government in place and to a greater or lesser extent mostly greater extent they managed to continue to secure power on the basis that the left vote is split um if you have a marginal seat where a Tory has got like a, a majority, Let, let's say they've they've inched it with like 15,000 votes and there's 13,000 Lib Dem votes and 12,000 Labour votes. But if they'd all just worked together, then there wouldn't be a Tory there. And people like Dominic Raab are a great example of that. He would be out on his ear if everyone had just voted tactically in that seat. Um yeah. So, so there is absolutely a focus on on the next general election to to really maximise that tactical voting uh, 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 approach to this. I don't think we have, like, I mean, the last general election felt like an emergency. Uh, this one, it's. I honestly feel like if the, if there was like a gif or like a meme of a guy with a massive fucking like, like, uh, uh, like Big Ben sized bell, right? And um, he's just like banging it. Like that's me, like ringing the warning signs of fascism, right? Like we have to tactically vote at the next general election to just oust Tories um, and get some sort of Labour coalition. Uh, what I'd like to see is a sort of, you know, a Labour, maybe SNP coalition. I think that's probably a bit fantastical. But well, you know. Yeah, I mean they've gained. Yeah, I agree with you. And and in terms of your analogy, I just imagine a room in which everyone and everything is on fire. They might <laughs> that's the first thing that comes into my head. But there's actually like um, Sam Friedman has uh, just tweeted about the um, the front page of the Eye tomorrow, right. saying that uh, YouGov have a new MRP out tomorrow, showing that at the moment the Tories would lose 85 out 88 battleground seats with Labour, wow. including Johnson's. Yeah. Okay, so um, here's here's one more question for you, and then and then we'll have to go. Uh, so, at what point do you think the self-serving nature of conservatives in government, MPs that fill up the backbenches and so on, at what point does the self-serving nature of them like themselves kick in, and they go, "Hang on a second, this guy is going to cost me my fucking job if I don't get rid of him." When is that going to happen? I think it's all to play for over the next probably couple of months. Um, I reckon, I don't know if it's not before summer, possibly autumn. I don't know. Um, cause what they want to recess again, aren't they? And then there's a summer yeah. break and all of that kind of business. So it's really hard. It's, it, it, I mean, this is just uncharted territory. I mean, you never know. There could be, um, it depends on whether it comes down to a vote of no confidence and whether or not he loses it, doesn't it? Cause that will be, and then there'll be a long drawn out leadership thing. And I don't know. I really, I cannot call it because this is all just completely unprecedented. We don't have any previous um, models of this happening, any of this happening to draw on, do we? We're no. living in mad times. So I, 
I don't know, maybe the next couple of weeks, maybe not. You know, maybe he'll be, as he calls himself, the Führer for another, I don't know, mm. 10 years. My fear is that what we're starting to see with the dilution of the ministerial code, that it will actually begin to bleed out. Like we've already seen the Electoral Commission being neutered, uh, that we will start to look at things like the Fixed Term Parliaments Act. And they'll say, right, well, now the maximum term before you have to call an election is 12 years. And it will effectively be a fucking dictator. Like everyone says, oh, it could never happen here. Uh, I, I forget it's that. Here. Yeah, like it's oh. it's so slow and gradual, near glacial. But slow boiling frog, isn't it? Yeah, but it's. I think that's deliberate because if you had asked people in you know 2013 if they would ever stand by and allow a conservative government to do X Y Z. They would be like, no, God, no, no, that would, oh, that would really throw a cat amongst the pigeons. You know, they would just, they'd be like, no, but no, no way. But then the thing is, all they have to go on as previous examples of fascism is like extreme fascism, like, um, like Hitler. Like, that's what you have. When you think of fascism, you think Hitler. Yeah. Um, but that's not how it would present now. It will come with a veil of respectability now. It will come in a suit. It will come with an eaten education now. It will um, gradually take away your rights. It won't present in that way because there's no way something like that would ever be accepted by, you know, the wider, you know, things that we have in place to protect populations in, in Europe and the world. There's no way that it would, it would pass. Other countries would intervene. Whereas you can introduce, um, you know, Russian-style um clampdowns on on voting um claiming that you're trying to help people to um get to work easier because people are gluing themselves to the road and all that kind of stuff you can do stuff like that under the radar mm. and make policy changes under the radar even though you know your population aren't necessarily going to see if you've got a lid on the media that the un condemn it they're not going to see like all of that kind of side of things so yeah controlling the media controlling our autonomy and our, our rights ripping up the human rights act yeah it's smash yeah yay <laughs> well we'll leave it on that uh that that uh that high note high point i can't remember what the uh the expression is now i'm, I'm so not, tired i'm not high today aid i've not done the acid today no um, well i mean the night is young right the night is young the days are long you know uh, Thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Super Tansky, if you're not following Super Tansky uh, already on Twitter and TikTok, obviously, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Um, uh, go and give her a follow now. Um, I'll be back next week. Uh, again, if it's your first time uh, tuning into the podcast uh, or, or indeed watching it on the live stream, uh, I do two shows a week. Uh, the midweek one is usually a solo one where I talk about whatever's in the news or riff on whatever fucking awful shit's going on in in america uh the friday night one i usually get a guest on uh, tonight's been super tansky next week i'm trying to persuade a barrister to come on and talk about drug laws with me but uh that's uh that's presented some issues uh which i hope to resolve this week so um uh, i'm sure our our discussion about microdots tonight may not have helped in i was gonna say i'm not sure that will help either of us in any no. way Unless, unless, obviously, we're now going to be approaching people trying to sell us loads of acid. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, the only other thing, I, sorry, I wanted to to mention is, uh, so I do put all of the like the podcast stuff onto Patreon uh, first, um, but I do understand that it's a, a, a difficult time for everyone at the moment. So uh, have no fear. All of the content does go out onto YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on, um, usually like a day or two after it goes onto Patreon. But I think I it's... Patreon. Say again? <laughs> support aid on patreon <laughs> <laughs> uh 
That was a really like long sort of faux compassionate way. How is he going to buy his microdots? Think yeah. of the children. How's um, he going to get his kids' microdots? Yeah. Right, we need to go, man. We need to go. We, we're way over time here. Thank you once again, Super Tansky. I'll catch up with you all of you uh, next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>